hoarding pocket. The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. You enjoy it now. Welcome to the Fast and the Curious. This is a post-Miami debrief with me, Betty Glover, Greg James, both of us looking very pasty and pale in comparison <laughs> to a Christian Hugill that has got a lovely glow on his face and has just got off the plane. Hello, everyone. Christian, how was it? Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was fine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what am I like? It was amazing. I'll tell you how, we, I'll tell you how good it was. When I left the track for the for the final time, I walked out the paddock turnstile things and just started thinking about the weekend as I was walking out for the final time. And as I was thinking about the weekend, started to well up. And I was like, no, we can't do too much reflection now because I'm not walking out of this circuit welling up. That's oh ridiculous. So it was it was that good. It really was. I, I kept saying the weekend, I felt like a competition winner, like it was dream come true stuff. Well, lots of people followed your journey over the weekend, and statistically, I can see that they there are new listeners to the podcast all the time, so I just want to welcome them and say you've arrived at a good time. This is a Formula One podcast hosted by Betty Glover, Christian Hugill, and F1 drivers, overseen by me, the team principal, and do you know what? You said it was an exciting weekend for you. I think, and I don't know if you agree with me, Betty, I was more excited for Christian's experiences of the Grand Prix than the Grand Prix itself but we'll get to that a bit later on yeah totally I completely agree especially because the Grand Prix itself was quite shit whereas Christian's experience was just ridiculous to follow (laughs) (laughs) well that's the big question we will we will give you an answer dear listeners to the question was the Grand Prix a bit shit but what I can say is the experience of it and the spectacle I found really fascinating and really fun and we have unparalleled access to that grid Christian I don't think there was another live radio broadcast from the tarmac this weekend what an honor for you to be the only one beaming live on the radio waves from there from Miami yeah and for those who missed the previous couple of podcasts I was there for BBC Radio 5 Live um, radio station in the UK because another thing I'm becoming aware of Greg and Betty is we've got lots of more people recently getting in touch saying they're listening in America and Australia and countries like that so yes um, you can listen to the races in the UK on BBC Radio 5 Live and I was covering the role of pit lane reporter for the BBC and I've come to the conclusion that I think pit lane reporters have the best job because it's the wildest job. And you guys know, I, I know my Formula One. So I wasn't nervous about that. But what I was nervous for was I had never been in a live pit lane before until Friday when I had about three minutes. And that's not an exaggeration to get my bearings. And then it was like, right, I'm on live radio. And you th- so. I'm sure we'll get to questions and stuff, but one of the questions I got asked on Twitter over the weekend was, I presume there's sort of, um, you know, training and safety briefings for going in a pit lane, considering what we've all been on safety briefings for. Do you know what I mean? Like safety briefings for karting on a stag do. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely not. It was just a case of, here's your bib, put that bib around you. There's a gap in between the Alpine and the McLaren drivers. Go there at this time and you're in the pit lane. And for those that don't know, the speed limit in the pit lane is 70 miles per hour. So it is just like being at the side of a motorway 
And the rule is, just don't get run over. So, and, and with practice, it's the most difficult bit to be in it because the drivers could come in at any time. So yeah, there was one point where, uh, so Alpine are next to McLaren and I was stood next to McLaren. I noticed a McLaren coming in, scooted up the road a bit to go to Alpine. In comes Pierre Gasly. So an Alpine mechanic's like full on moving me out of the way. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to be somewhere, but there's so many cars. So it, it, being in the pit lane is wild. And then, as you just said, Greg, on Sunday, I got to go onto the grid and be live on the radio in the half an hour building up to the Miami Grand Prix, which was just insane. Yeah, I bet. I bet that was just next level for you. I think five-year-old Christian would not have believed it at all. But what I really want to know, right, is, of course, America is always quite extra, but the Miami Grand Prix kind of build-up was next level, wasn't it? And I think it, it got such a mixed reaction on social media. I was <laughs> looking through Twitter about people kind of reacting to the fact that Will I Am was kind of conducting an orchestra, and then you've got like LL Cool J <laughs> on the mic. And I think some people loved it, and some people absolutely hated it. You were there. What was it like? Couple of things there. I saw Will I Am arrive at the circuit. For those that don't know, the paddock is where the teams and the drivers all hang out in between sessions. It's also where all the media are and all the celebs are. And I'm stood, I was radio checking. So I was making sure that they could hear me back in the, the studio they were producing me from in London. And I saw this guy walk in with a big hat and big sunglasses. <laughs> but the sunglasses covered at least two thirds of his head. And, the, and the, the hat was on. And I was like, is that Will I Am? And we, here's the thing. You get, if you're an accredited Formula One broadcaster going to a race, an email from Formula One in the week going, here are the celebrities we think who are going to be there. But Will I Am wasn't on that list. I'm like, can't be Will I Am. And then... That's a, that's re- that's a really good spot from you, though, because Will I Am is like... I don't know, he's quite, he's quite niche, isn't no, he? Like, come he on, no, come on, no, Will I Am's Will not... Will I Am? Will I Am's not... Yeah, I was about to say that. If, if anything, if yeah, anything Will he, I Am's too like, recognisable. He's like old school. Not to be too harsh, but Will I Am's way more famous than he should be. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. Black Eyed Peas, though, produced some absolute bangers, so I'm all for that. But that, that was years ago. Yeah. Now he's just on The Voice. In 2005, yeah. Anyway... Well, anyway, I spotted him come in. So, so yes, that was wild. The, the, the second part of your question is, how was it? I mean, most Formula One tracks are in purpose-built locations. F1 tracks are big. You know, these cars go at 200 miles an hour, so circuits are like five, six kilometres long. So, therefore, the others I've been to, which are Bahrain and Silverstone, these are big, in the middle of nowhere, purpose-built racing facilities. What Formula One has done... And we'll get to the Americanisms in a minute. What Formula One has done is so impressive because you've taken the sporting bit of Miami, the Hard Rock Stadium, home of the Miami Dolphins, NFL team, massive team. And you've gone, well, can we put Formula One in here? And I think originally the thinking was, no, we can't. But they built the circuit around sort of former parking facilities. But it's not just the circuit that comes with it. It's the paddock. It's the grandstands, it's the fan centres. And I mentioned this on the podcast I did when we were in Miami. When I was in Miami, sorry, that sounded awful. Yeah, we, we weren't <laughs> there, we were Christian. Miami, not it yeah, I know, sorry. That I went up in the cable car and it was only when I went up in the cable car that I was like, this is ridiculous. That this massive travelling circus bowls into this part of America, this famous part of the world, and dominates it. 
it is really impressive. F1 have done a great job with it. The criticism about it being too cheesy and too much like a circus is ridiculous, mainly because that is what Formula One is. Like they've, they, they've, you know, the intro with LL Cool J is not much of a stretch from that mad thing they always play before Lights Out, where they play all the um, all the drivers sort of turning around moodily looking at the camera and everything and George Russell like holding his hands up and everything and that music is now in my head and it has been all weekend I'm so into it that it's really I mean they are just building it as sort of the Avengers and those films are cheesy everyone loves a cheesy sports event like this LL Cool J bringing out the drivers I thought was amazing I love the idea that Will I Am wasn't on the list and he just decided to come and start conducting an orchestra that didn't need conducting. That's a great image in my head and I'm going <laughs> to keep that narrative <laughs> going. That, that, yeah. that he wasn't even supposed to be there. But what I really loved from listening to you on the radio was obviously how excited you were, how exciting it sounded, but the people you managed to get hold of and doorstep were incredible. Federer, you got Federer. You have completed it. <laughs> completed F1. Let me come to the first thing we were saying first, then I'll talk about the grid. Right, i tell you what really annoyed me today, and I've never said this sentence before, Nick Knowles off of DIY SOS. Because he went, oh, well, this is what happens when it's the Americanization of the sport. Nick, it's a Grand Prix in America. Just because you didn't like it, it doesn't mean it's terrible for the sport. F1 is a global sport. So yes, when it goes to Miami, it gets high for America, because it's in America. I wouldn't want that sort of intro every race that I get boring 23 times a year yeah we couldn't we could not pull that off in the UK (laughs) at all no of course we couldn't who would we have doing it probably Anton Deck wouldn't it sort of introducing the drivers but Greg James Greg James available absolutely I'll be I'll be on site if they need me Mm. George Russell (laughs) yeah I could do that but I'd also I'd quite like to conduct the orchestra but do the live one day amazing wouldn't it but this is the thing it, it yes it was super cheesy yes it was super american but it's it's a one-off so let, uh, there was a lot of grumpy british people on twitter uh, lighten up come on let's have a bit of fun with it and it did to now go onto the grid make for a brilliant atmosphere the grid was bouncing the, i was right in front of the start finish straight grandstand which even an full hour before the race, was packed. The music was pumping out of it. The drivers being given the big intro. It felt like a world-class sporting occasion. So yes, it was a bit cheesy, but it helped. And then, of course, the mad thing you get on Formula One grids is it's full of celebrities. And do you know, I love the parallel. Another question I got asked over the weekend was, how do you arrange to talk to these people? And I first started talking to the amazing, lovely, wonderful people at McLaren about speaking to Lando while I was in Miami in February. So it's, you know, it's months of planning. Likewise, Williams, we had Logan on the podcast. Again, really early doors. January, February, we're sort of raising this. All of this goes out the window on the grid when it is a bit like, right, every man for themselves. And... I was on the grid earlier than most of the media people to just get my boundaries a bit. And right at the start, just as Five Live had gone on air, I saw Roger Federer and I knew he was going to be there. And my producer at Five Live had been like, oh my God, could you imagine if he got Federer? And I'm sort of in my mind like, right, challenge accepted. And I saw him in front of me 
And I got, had this sort of, again, I better you'll be used to this. Sports people are properly looked mm-hmm. after. And, and and you think, can I just go up to Roger Federer? And I just sort of thought, I might never get the opportunity to do this again. Sod it. I'm just going to bowl up to him. And his security people gave me a look, but didn't really do much. And then somebody from Formula One in one of the posh white shirts that you see with an embroidered red F1 logo gave me the proper evils. And I went, about to be live on BBC Radio. And they just went, well, can you walk and talk? I went, yeah, okay, I'll walk wherever you want. Absolutely. So like, okay, walk and talk. So he was in the middle Roger, of... Roger needs a wee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just said, I can't even remember what I said to him, uh, but I just uh, asked him about it and he was lovely. And then... Again, the other big one that they were like, oh my God, could you imagine if you got that? Was no, no, being... no, 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 sorry. You're skipping over right. one of the greatest sports. No, no, <laughs> sorry. no, no. Yeah, okay. As, as, as a tennis fan, you're skipping over one of the greatest sports people to have walked the earth. Yeah. What was it? I, I dream of meeting Roger Federer. What was it like to be in his presence? Does he have an aura? And how big was the Rolex? Ooh, the Rolex was big. Uh, yeah. Did he have an aura? Anyone who's got people round them looking after them have an aura, don't they? And there were two or three people stood round him. The aura I got at first, I won't lie to you, was I don't particularly want to talk to you. I when think, I sort of made eye contact. and I think he gave you a really good answer. I th- he was really interested in what yeah. he said to you, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, he sort of looked in, I looked, made eye contact, and I think he then saw the BBC microphone, and I just said, so a really quick word for the BBC. And then the guard dropped a little bit at that point, and he just smiled and said, yeah, absolutely. And that's when, at that point, I say to my producer, I've got Roger Federer. He says to the commentator, Harry Benjamin, lovely Harry. Harry's like, right, back down to Christian Hugill, and it's just all of a sudden, you've just got to go for it. You've just got to go. And it was like, well, I haven't had the time to ask him a question, so goodness knows what fell out my mouth. And then Betty, absolutely, I was about to raise the point, sometimes they really fob you off quite quickly in this situation because they just don't want to do it. But he just had a big beaming smile on his face. He looked across at the grandstand and he gave me the loveliest answer about how great it was. And then what was Mm. always really lovely, what I always love from famous is when you interview them, is when at the end I just, I said, thank you so much, Roger, lovely to talk to you. He went, oh, I knew, man, lovely to meet you. And I was like, oh, what a lovely thing. That's nice. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he was great. He was absolutely great. And you got a lovely photo of Roger, but it's on your Instagram. At first glance, I thought you'd bumped into Richard Arnold from Good Morning Britain. <laughs> they have the same side profile. Yeah, but again, for our international <laughs> listeners, Richard Arnold's a bit of a TV legend in the UK. Just the Good Morning Britain of entertainment news. And he looked... Who, we, I think you've got an exclusive there, Greg, that from a certain angle, Roger Federer looks like Richard Arnold. Well, I encourage all our listeners to Google Richard Arnold now. Because there is a striking resemblance to Roger Federer, but but Christian, it was a fantastic little chat with him, and he talked about how exciting it was playing over the road in the in the Miami Dolphins Stadium. He's played tennis there. Did he say he, he very he very sort of casually said, "I won a won a tournament there in uh, 2019." I think he knows exactly when it was. Of course, yeah, course he did as well. Of course he did. Is there anywhere he hasn't won a tournament as well? Betty, that's exactly it because it is one of those moments you're like, "Wow!" Again, the same thing that you get when you talk to Lewis Hamilton. It's like you are one of the best in the world at what you do. And again, that was why I was a bit nervous. Just like, can I just go up to him? I'm so glad I did, though, because he was lovely. He was, he was really, really nice. Well, they say never meet your heroes, and you, he was lovely. So there we go. What about... Yeah, he was great. He was great. He wasn't the only person you spoke to, though, was he? What about Vin Diesel? Because that was pretty cool. 
and another one that again, the Five Live team had been like, oh my God, could you imagine if you got Vin Diesel? And that was one of those where I, I hadn't seen him around. I hadn't seen Roger Federer around. But you know when you see someone, and Greg, you, you're, Greg, you're lucky enough to meet famous people a lot. Do you ever have this, Greg, where you get like, I don't know. We've always seen them on screens, but you see them in real life and then you're sort of slightly questioning whether it is them, even though they look like the person you've seen. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I'm stood there and I'm, again, knowing they could throw to me at any moment, you don't really have time to check your phone. But I saw him and I was like, I sod it. I, 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 my brain just didn't trust me that it was Vin Diesel. Like, no, that is Vin Diesel, isn't it? There's that no happens, one else looks yeah. like that in the world. That happens to me all the but time. But I'm still going like, to Google is it. Is it? Is it? Oh, everyone looks different, like, don't they? Look, Yes, he even looks like he's got a muscular head. Do you know what I mean? Like massive arms, massive neck, almost like a muscular bald head. And I'm I'm having this internal argument with myself, being like, it, it is, isn't it? It's Vin Diesel. So I'm Googling Vin Diesel on the F1 grid, literally going, yeah, yeah, that's him, right. And then I just thought, forget it. And he was having a big conversation with someone. And again, I just sort of thought, and he did have security guards with him. And the security guards gave me a right look. And again, you just sort of point to the BBC microphone. Having a microphone with a brand on it, doesn't matter what brand, gets you a license to do anything. So, oh, it's a microphone with something printed on it. Fine. Even our podcast has got a microphone with something printed on it. Like, you can get stuff printed on it, but people just go, oh, he's, he's got a microphone. So again, bowled into him. And all I could think about was I genuinely think his bicep muscle was the size of my head. Such a large man. But yeah, and then I, but I also got some brilliant F1 people on the grid as well. Gunter Steiner was great, the Haas team oh. principal, who I'm trying to get on the podcast, by the way. Yeah, I would uh, love that. And I, I had a little chat about that over the weekend. That. He's such a legend. Actively trying to get Gunter. Yeah, actively trying to get Gunter. Um, who else did I speak to F1 was on the grid? Can anyone remember? Oh, Christian um... Horner. Spoke to Christian Horner for the first time. Change your fucking car. Spoke to Christian for the first time. <laughs> um, he, gave you, he gave you a great answer, actually, because you said, what's possible for Max today? And he went, anything. He's, do you know what, about aura around people? Like, that is mad it, on that grid. And even the celebrities are, like, buzzing and it's exciting. And then he speaks to Christian, who is just, Mr. Calm. You know, you can detect, Greg, you said this with Oscar Piastri in one of the really early episodes of the podcast. When you just detect calm, and it's calm in the eyes. And while music's pumping and everything's going mad, Christian's just on the grid and he's just surveying. And again, he clearly didn't recognise me because I'm not normally the BBC person. He would always talk to the BBC. So I sort of had to introduce myself. And again, there's sort of the wry smile of, or the, in the eyes of, who are you? And then when he saw us BBC Radio 5 Live, it's like, <laughs> and, and had a chat. And again, he was great. So yeah, Gunter and Christian, I pre-recorded a quick interview with Sir Jackie Stewart, one of the absolute legends. Unfortunately, that didn't get played out because there wasn't time. But Christian Jackie Stewart was delightful. Did you see the iconic moment with Jackie Stewart on Sky? Did you hear about it? I did. So, for those that don't know what Betty's talking about, Martin Brundle on Sky Sports F1 in the UK is king of the grid walk. So the thing I just did for the first time, going around seeing you could grab, Martin invented that. First did it in the 90s for ITV. And... He does it whenever he's at a Grand Prix. It's legendary television. And if you put it on YouTube, Martin Brundle Gridwalk, you'll see so many funny clips. It's really worth doing. So I just rocked up to Roger Federer and spoke to him. But I did it earlier than when Martin was on air. Martin was a bit later than me. And for some reason, 
Rogers people were a bit reluctant. I think because he was up meeting the drivers. But those bodyguards who I mentioned, the people who looked sort of awkwardly at me, but just let me in, weren't letting Martin Brundle, which is ridiculous, because like Martin Brundle's like a king. So for those that don't know Sir Jackie Stewart, legendary former world champion, in his mid to late 80s, ambassador of Rolex and uh, Scotsman. And every Grand Prix almost in the world he travels to still as an ambassador for Rolex or the timing partners of Formula One. There's nothing Sir Jackie Stewart can't do. He is a legend. Wearing his tartan as well, wasn't he? Always wears his tartan. Tartan trousers, tartan cap and great big, you know, proper smart white shirt. It was 30 degrees. Jackie's not bothered. Still looks smart. But Roger Federer had gone behind this roped off area. They'd made a roped off area. And Jackie Stewart just went to Martin Brundle because they weren't talking to him. I'll go, I'll go get him. And Jackie Stewart marches off, ducks underneath the sort of velvet barrier. The security guards go mad. Jackie just bowls through them all. Jackie's not a big man, by the way, quite a small Scotsman. And Martin Brundle's live on Sky going, well, they can't beat up Jackie Stewart, can they? <laughs> and Jackie pulled over Roger Federer to bring to Martin Brundle. And I felt guilty because Martin had to go through all of that to get Roger Federer. And I, it's the first time ever doing it, just bowled up to him. So, Roger, get your priorities sorted. Um, you know, you've got to speak to Martin Brundle. I think, really, we need to speak to Jackie Stewart on this podcast. Could you imagine a, a, an interview with him? He'd be absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yeah, it'd be fascinating. We should look into that. Yeah, we should. We've got a list. We've got a hefty list that we, we need to keep adding to. And, Greg, I'm not being funny. As team principal, you need to get your act together and start um, going through <laughs> it. Happy to. Happy to. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to the actual race now? Because we've talked a lot about the grid walk, which is my favourite bit anyway. But um, I found it a little bit boring. Is that fair to say? I think it's fair to say. We were on our group chat, weren't we? And Greg went, is this boring? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I think so. (laughs) Again, I mentioned this last race review podcast we did. There are people that think because I'm wildly enthusiastic, I'll never say anything negative. So I just want to point out the fact that I did say Baku was rubbish. I didn't mind the Grand Prix. I didn't think the Grand Prix was as bad as we're making out. I think off the back of a bad Baku, bless you, (laughs) after all the hype of Miami, Mm. and given that people are a bit grumpy because Red Bull are dominating more than the neutrals would like them to, I think that is a perfect storm to combine us all thinking that Grand Prix was worse than it was. Actually, we did have plenty of overtaking, some good top 10 battles, different strategies playing out and a genuine overtake for the win. Unfortunately, it always looked likely that Max was going to win. If Checo had had another tenth of a second pace in him per lap, it would have been a thriller but I don't think it was as bad as we're making it out. I just don't think it, it... I think it was a good Grand Prix. I think it was an average Grand Prix. It wasn't a crap one like Baku. It wasn't a world beater. But when you hype something up as Miami, and also because the grid was so mixed up, it could have been a classic. Mm. Like, it, the grid was mixed up. Max coming from back, Lewis coming from back. But it just didn't really quite go to classic levels. But I don't think it was as bad as people are making out. That's what I was going to say, because the grid looked so tasty. It looked so exciting. I thought, oh, wow, this is going to be brilliant. And then it kind of was just a little bit average. I think also our pal Logan Sargent just didn't do very well on his home turf, did he? 
Yeah, maybe that was why I was sad about it because I was just genuinely quite dejected yeah. when he had to have his front wing changed in lap two, I think, yeah, maybe. Yeah. It was lap- really early on, wasn't it? But that goes into what I was going to say because remember I said when I was in Miami that I went on the hot lap from Bruno Senna and had the sort of ridiculously quick ride in the McLaren road car. It made me realise just how close the walls are to the track. I don't think until you sit in a car and you realise, like Bruno was doing 170 in that McLaren supercar, just the walls are there. The 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 margin of error is non-existent. Plus the fact that, and we, again, go back and listen to the previous podcast to hear Lando Norris explain why the tarmac of the track is a bit of a funny issue in Miami. Slippy tarmac. The fact there was no yellow flag for a crash or even a safety car, again, that would have helped the race add a bit of jeopardy. But there was none of that. That shows you how good those drivers are. World beating. It didn't help poor Logan, is the point I was going to make, because Logan had to change his front wing, and then from then on his race was ruined. So poor Logan, it was a, a nightmare debut home race. Logan will bounce back. Logan's got the pace. Logan will bounce back. So that's Logan. What about some of our other mates on this podcast then? How did how did the others do? Oscar Piastri, Lewis Hamilton. Well, let me do a, let me do a really quick rundown, shall I? Um, Lewis Hamilton stormed back from thirteenth on the grid to sixth. Considering how uncompetitive the Mercedes is, Lewis did very well. Again, George Russell was pleased. Mercedes just hadn't got the pace that weekend. Fourth and sixth for Mercedes is good damage limitation. Uh, an improvement from our friends at Alpine, Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon, 8th and ninth, solid points on the board. Woo. They're hoping for a little bit more still. Alex Albon, again, said to me on Thursday that if you take a track and that's not suited to Williams and design one, it'll look an awful lot like Miami. So Alex did well <laughs> to drag it to 14th, bless him. McLaren really struggled for pace. Upgrades on the way soon for McLaren. Hopefully, it will not be as tricky. They were 17th and 19th. So hopefully for McLaren, things will start to improve once those upgrades arrive. We've already spoken about Logan. Really tricky conditions for rookies. Tricky tarmac, tricky circuits. Logan had a first corner problem and took wing damage. Because of the lack of safety cars, he was never going to catch up. Very unlucky for Logan. He will bounce back. And the other thing I wanted to talk about, Fernando Alonso, right? So he's in P3. And he's saying that whilst he is driving, he's looking up at one of the screens and asking about how his teammate was doing or, or where his teammate was. How amazing uh, is that? I'd sp- I literally spoke to him about it at the end of the race in the in the pen where they bring all the drivers around and I had to interview all the drivers. And I, I just said to him, I was like, Fernando, you know they're for the fans, not the people driving, right? And he let out a proper laugh and went, oh, you know, it's a big screen and I was just checking how Lance is doing. That man's capacity to look at stuff is unbelievable. Uh, and uh, yeah, and we've not even spoken about that. The fact that I like literally interviewed every one of the drivers over the weekend, which was just mad. Like again, and the little things like um, I went to the loo in between one of the sessions, a scooter rushed past me indoors. It was Lewis Hamilton scooting to do one of the mandatory random drug tests, scooting through a building <laughs> indoors. And again, was. you sort of um, you sort of look up and someone is sort of, oh, oh, sorry, I've nearly bumped into you when it's Max Verstappen. Oh, right, yeah, it's Max there. And I'll tell you, the one person I didn't... Uh, uh, oh, no, I did interview George Russell. I did interview George Russell, but I mentioned on the other podcast, what was lovely of George, and as one of our podcast regulars, before I'd spoken to him all weekend, saw me, eyes across one of the rooms, and went, oh, hi. So, again, it's just lovely that uh, uh, this little podcast is... is oh, 
Uh, right, I tell you what, I'm going to do some quickfire hellos from people from the weekend, right? Will Buxton, who is the Netflix man who talk, is the talking head in Netflix, F1 TV presenter, what a delightful man, came up to me, gave me a great big hug, loves us, loved the podcast, delightful, wonderful man, and gave me a few helping hands in the pit lane as well. Thank you, Will Buxton. Simon Lazenby was lovely. We mentioned this in the other podcast from Sky Sports F1. Really lovely. Right in the early days of the podcast, Greg, don't know if you remember this, you got very excited because one of the Mercedes team members DM'd us, a lovely man yes. called Jonathan. I met Jonathan outside Mercedes Aww. and had a lovely chat to him. Again, pe- people who've got in touch from the F1 circus who we met. And then there was even a nice little moment when, I'm, we, Betty, we were talking about people meeting George Russell in the loo. I'm washing my hands in the loo and a guy wearing an Alpine shirt, one of the Alpine crew members, just went, oh, you're Christian, aren't you? By the way, I love the podcast with Greg and Betty. And I was (laughs) like, so nice. So lovely. So it was lovely to go into the F1 world that we normally talk about from afar and see all these people who bless them are aware of us and have said lovely things and meeting them in person. Nate from ESPN, who got the picture of me with the Roger Federer as well. There's some lovely people. (laughs) With Richard Arnold. So yeah, and I've, and I do want to say thank you as well to, again, uh, like the team at Williams, the team at McLaren, the team at Alpine for looking out for me. I had the most special weekend. I will never forget that weekend. No matter how many more I get to go to, that was the first weekend where I got to sort of be involved in the live sessions. It was phenomenal. I feel so, so lucky. And the final big oh, thank you. <laughs> Our lovely listeners. I had so many Fast and Curious listeners get in touch to say they'd heard me on the BBC and were proud of me. Like, actually proud of me. How sweet is that? Guys, I can't thank you enough. The people getting in touch made the weekend. It was so special. Thank you so, so much. Well, well done, Christian. Amazing weekend. Big up, Will Buxton and Lasers and all the people that met you in the uh, in the circus. Should we try and get Alonso on? I think that should be my big challenge. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. I think that'd be, I think that'd Wait, be amazing. So we... That'd be amazing, Greg. I feel like he'd be great fun. From from the interactions you've had, Christian, it, it seem, he seems like a kind man. He's got a kind face. He has. Do you know what? I've noticed a difference in interviewing Fernando Alonso this year to the last couple of years because he's having a great time. He's loving it. He's loving being back competitive. He had a very warm, kind smile this weekend. And again, he was the last driver I interviewed of the weekend, actually. And he just... And, and we had a lovely laugh about the screens and it was just like, oh, he's having a nice time. He's enjoying being back at the front and fighting. So I'd love to speak to Fernando. I think he's got some brilliant stories as well that he could um, he could tell us about on this podcast. Oh, I think God, he'd be yeah. epic. Well, how about this then? For the next episode, next week, I'll try my best to get a driver. I'll shoot for Fernando Alonso. Look, real talk, that's probably not going to happen within a week. Maybe not two. So what I think we should do now, we've got to the point in this podcast where we have actually got Fans, we've got loads of listeners. What I'd love to do, and you don't hear it often enough on podcasts, and I love a phone-in, and I love hearing listeners on the phone, why don't we do an F1 phone-in on the next Fast and the Curious? Always wanted to do a phone-in on the radio. Always wanted to do a phone-in. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Radio is nothing without its listeners, and I love hearing the listeners of a show on the actual show contributing. So... Obviously, you can send questions to any of us. Formula One questions, obviously, to Christian. <laughs> we'd, we'd love Speak to hear yourself, from you Greg. if you're a new... Yeah, well, we'd love to hear if you're a new fan of Formula One. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear from you if you've got a connection to Formula One. Maybe you've just started out as a driver. Maybe you are related to a driver. Maybe you've never been to a Grand Prix and you're going soon. Whatever it is, 
if there's a story, a connection with the sport, with any, like something fun that you think we might like, then drop us an email, fastandcurious at acast.com. That's the best way to do it. Just put in the subject F1 phone in. And if you wouldn't mind, just to annoy Jimmy when he gets back of his holiday, can you do phone with, a, with an F? <laughs> F1 phone in. That is going to annoy and Jimmy. So it will much. annoy Jimmy, won't it? It will. Give give us a little um give us a little rundown of what you might want to talk about. But you don't have to have anything madly specific. But we'd love to get you on the show next week and we'll do an F one phone in special. How about that? Oh I love it, yeah, I like the idea of that. I really do. Great idea, Greg. And I tell you what we are doing very soon, which we've not talked about yet, and I won't give it fully away. We've got a team principal coming on soon. Our second ever team principal. <gasps> Not Toto. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I forgot about this. I've it's forgotten. Really soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we need to be it's like there. Really soon. My my, my my brain has been like Miami, and then post Miami, and now it's like, oh god, these things are happening. So yeah, team principal coming soon. That's exciting. Yeah, I need to write that in my diary because I completely forgot, and I wouldn't have turned up. But um, God's sake. this has been an absolute pleasure. Christian, I've loved hearing everything about Miami. We're both very jealous. But um, you smashed it. But I think you need to go to sleep now. So good night. Thanks, mate. Greg, thank you so much. And we'll thank speak you. to you all soon. Bye. Good night. Good night.